Hello, and welcome to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Camuso-Miller. I'm a public affairs professional in Washington, D.C., and I interview members of the media about their background, about how they got into journalism, and lots of other topics. The Friday Reporter is a PR Daily podcast. Check out PR Daily for ideas, inspiration, and trends on all things public affairs and to find the Friday Reporter podcast. Hello, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter podcast. Today, I'm so lucky to have a guest who I have had a chance to work with over the course of many, many years in a lot of different roles, both he and I. John McArdle is the host and producer for C-SPAN's Washington Journal. John, thanks so much for being with me. Thanks for having me. So, John, I want you to tell me, as we as we get into this conversation, I know that the, the signature, I mean, when folks watch C-SPAN, they are familiar with broadcast from the Senate and from the House and from a variety of public affairs events that happen around town. But the real signature, the one thing we always think about when we think about C-SPAN is we think about Washington Journal and we think about the, the work that you do every day. But how is it, how is it that you got to be there. How did you get your start in in journalism? How did I get my start? Um, It's, you know, it's funny. I I was listening to your interview, uh, some of your other interviews with uh, other friends of ours uh, Mm. along our career journey. And I remember John Bresnahan was saying uh, in his interview with you that uh, I'm not one of those reporters that you always have on that say, you know, I got the bug in high school or or college. I have this interesting path, you know, in, in John's gruff voice and way of saying things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm one of those reporters that you're having on that had, that got the bug in uh, high school and college. Um, awesome. I had a, I had a great journalism teacher in high school. He was, it was his first job out of college actually. Um, and uh, he, he and I still stay in touch. Uh, I actually had lunch with him recently when, when he was in DC. Um, big story happened in my high school when uh, there was actually a murder that happened. The, the, the guy who killed somebody uh, was a student in our school. Wow. Um, the person who was killed wasn't, um, but we ended up covering it in the student newspaper. And I, I remember it being a big issue because the, the murderer's sister was actually in our school too. And the wow. principal wanted to pull, pull the story because of his concerns about her still being in the school. And we thought it was a important story that the students should know about. For sure. Um, so I remember that being like a, a, a learning moment uh, and, you know, having my journalism teacher stand by me to to stand in front of the principal and make our argument for why they should run. Mm-hmm. Um, went to the University of Virginia and worked on the student newspaper there, completely student-run newspaper and had a great time. And um, knew as I was getting uh, to the summer before my senior year that I needed to get an internship if I wanted to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister was working in D.C. at the time, and uh, she knew our mutual friend, Paul Kane, and she said, hey, he works at this uh, this scrappy newspaper on Capitol Hill called Roll Call. Yeah. Um, and I, I got in touch with him, and, and thankfully they had an internship and opening there. Uh, had a great time that summer and was lucky enough that they had a job opening when I graduated in 2003. So Wow, that's uh, fantastic. At, yeah. And so I was at Roll Call for, I think it was seven years. Uh-huh. Um, everything from, we called it the Capitol Campus Beat, covering the uh, the Capitol Police Department and mm-hmm. the architect of the Capitol. The building of the Capitol Visitor Center was a big story, too. I um, ended up working a couple cycles on their 
politics beat covering campaigns and elections. And that Mm. was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And then um, after sort of seven years of of the politics, um, I moved over to Environment Energy News Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of do more of the policy side. And, you know, I knew covering what Capitol Hill was like, but what was it like covering agencies, Um, kind of this part of D.C. that I didn't know a whole lot about. So covered uh, EPA, the Interior Department of Energy, uh, at E&E News for three years. And while I was there, um, I'd come on C-SPAN on, on the Washington Journal program. I, I had seen now. that. Uh-huh. I saw about an old report yeah. about that. <laughs> How cool. <laughs> yeah. So I'd, I'd come on a couple of times and, and for, cause we're always inviting reporters to, to talk about their stories mm-hmm. and to allow viewers to ask these reporters questions. You know, it's always interesting to have reporters be the ones answering questions. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'd done that a few times and, um, the, uh, the executive producer asked if I wanted to, to guest host the show, kind of sit on the other, in the other chair and be the one asking questions. Wow. And, uh, I decided it might be interesting. Um, for sure. did that for about a year and a half. And then they said, well, do you want to come over full time? And I've been on the Washington journal ever since about eight years, uh, oh doing this gosh. show where, That's amazing. where we let we let the the viewers and there's so much of DC that's talking to America or at America or even yelling at America. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the one place where America can talk back, right, and ask their questions Absolutely. and give their opinions. So, whether it's reporters or members of Congress or people in these think tanks that have so much influence, um, lobbyists, uh, we let people ask the questions that they want to ask, and it is a whole lot of fun to hear from people every day. Uh, we take uh, for your your listeners who don't know the program, we take about, um, it's a three-hour show every day. Um, the only time it's not a three-hour show is if, uh, since we're on C-SPAN, our commitment is to cover the House floor in its entirety whenever it's in. So okay. if the House happens to come in during our show, we will stop the show, even if it's just a brief pro forma session, to show you gavel-to-gavel coverage of the House, uh, and then we'll pick it back up on the other side. Right. Um, so a three-hour show, we are 365 days a year, and uh, my job as a host, my goal every day is to get 60 phone calls in over the course of that three hours. Wow, 60 phone calls. Oh my gosh. And three hours. I mean, that is a big, that's a big show, John. I mean, and I don't think that anybody that, I mean, I, I'm learning that now. I, I, I'm a consumer of the show. I'm, I watch you there. I know you do. I mean, I've never sat for the full three hours, but wow, that is a, that is a tremendous time commitment every day. And it's so important because like you say, you're not just taking calls from, you know, people inside the Beltway or people that are inside the Capitol, but you literally, and for those who don't know, and maybe I'm getting this wrong, but this is the way it has been every time I've tuned in, is there is a dedicated line for Republicans and for Democrats and for independents so that we know, and you know, there as the phones are are ringing, that you're getting lots of different perspectives as you're having this conversation throughout, yeah. throughout the day. Yeah, we, we, we find splitting up the lines that way the best way to provide uh, a balance of, of opinions and, and for the callers. Right. Um, and, uh, it is, it's a good thing. We rotate through the lines that way. And, Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's a really good thing because there are some people who, who may not have any friends on the other side of the aisle or they're, I'm a Democrat who only talks to Democrats and only friends with Democrats. My family members are Democrats. Mm -hmm. I'm a Republican who only has friends with Republicans and I only go to Republican conservative websites and I only consume this kind of news. Those people will call in and uh, sometimes I think, well, at least they have to wait on hold 
and listen to the Democrat or the Republican on the the, the phone call ahead of them to get on right. the Washington Journal, and they're they're at least hearing that other side. So it's a place uh, a lot of people sometimes describe uh, C-SPAN as as nonpartisan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you listen to C-SPAN and if you listen to our show, there's a lot of partisanship. Uh, we just try to balance it. I mean, it's Absolutely. not that you're getting it's not nonpartisan. There's a whole lot of people with a lot of strong opinions on both sides. We just give you the chance to to hear from people on both sides, and we rotate through those phone lines. And it's not always uh, Democrat, Republican, Independent. And actually, we change who's on top every month. So mm-hmm. this month, it's Democrats, Republicans, Independents that we promote. And then next month, it'll be Republicans, Democrats, Independents, just to try to be as fair as okay. possible, even in how we promote the smart. It's funny. Super smart. Um, but sometimes, you know, if it's a topic that isn't necessarily partisan, um, you know, a, a lot of these these questions that we've had, uh, you know, before um, COVID, uh, and we were doing so many shows about the opioid epidemic, it's not something that impacts just Republicans and just Democrats, right? And so we would just do uh, regional lines. If you're in the Eastern or Central time zones, call this number. If you're in the Mountain or Pacific time zones, call this number. Oh, that's smart. Um, If it's uh, a school issue, the best way to do it is have parents, a phone line for parents, a phone line for teachers, and then all others can call in on this line. Just so we have a little bit more information about the people who are wow. calling in or sort of the That's state so cool. in, the, in it. So we'll break up the phone lines differently um, depending on the segment. But the one you'll see most often and the one that you're talking about is the Democrats, Republicans, and, and Independents. I mean, true confession, when I'm watching, I'm usually watching because either a client and or a principal that I've worked for or someone <laughs> has an interest in the conversation. So I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily... Um, check in on some of the other issues as I probably ought to because you know a lot of times when you're on this side of the of the business you're working to promote whatever it is your clients or your um or your principal cares about but how has that transition for you obviously it sounds like it was pretty smooth you must have made a great impression when you were doing your on-camera work uh from E&E and contributing to um the show then but how had how did that transition work for you I mean that's quite a bit of writing that you were doing every day and sourcing out and doing information how how did that transition happen for you what does that look like today now as a journalist for yourself how do you prepare for your day as you go into it yeah well I spent 10 years um trying to be a, a fast uh, and thorough and, and good writer. And now it's write less, right? Because if mm-hmm. I'm not hosting the show, um, there's several hosts here. Um, there's a, a rotation of hosts, and the whole idea is to not have one person host the show every day and, right. and not create kind of personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm not hosting the show, I'm producing segments for other hosts. Oh, and cool. um, so if I'm writing out questions or doing research that I'm putting in kind of the rundown that we hand the host for the show each day, uh, you don't want a lot of writing in there because the host doesn't need to be looking down and reading a lot. And you don't want overly long, multi-point, complicated questions. Just right. get to the question that, that you want to ask. So, yeah. so now it's uh, – and I found the hardest thing is kind of writing graphics, um, the making the, the graphics that you're writing – convey the information to the viewer with as few words as possible without junking up the screen and yeah. writing sentences on graphics, right? That's difficult. So you're just trying to, and it's not something I, I really dealt much with, right? We had a whole graphics department uh, mm-hmm. at, at Roll Call and E&E who would deal with if, if we needed to have graphics. Um, so that's, 
been a learning experience. Uh, but what I said to when it, I spoke to Howard, not to interrupt, but when I spoke to Howard Mortman about um, how many folks were on the team at C-SPAN, the way I uh, the way I characterized what you guys do is you punch way above your weight. I mean, I did not know how lean and efficient that team is there. I mean, you guys. You are omnipresent on the Hill. You're producing great content and it is a lean staff. I mean, so that to your point, I mean, you're obviously when you're not hosting, you're working behind the scenes to make sure the show is a great success as well. Right, right. So there's, um, let's see, it's a staff of about, at this point, I think it's eight, eight or nine folks who do this Washington Journal show. So three mm-hmm. hours of live TV every day, 365 days a year. Wow. Um, you know, we have a separate studio team, a, a separate uh, director, uh, the camera operator, floor director, but in terms of the producers, um, the 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 hosts here, uh, it's a team of about eight or nine folks who do it every day. And um, but the the way we can do that is that the whole focus is on the callers, right? It's mm-hmm. not on the the host. It's not on putting on some big show. It's get to the calls and start hearing what America has to say about this issue, right? That's so right. today. Uh, we're finding out that Stephen Breyer is is uh, going to be retiring at the end of the term, and mm-hmm. um, the tomorrow we're just going to open the phones in the first hour of the show and hear viewers' reaction to that. So, you know, in terms of production-wise, the calls really are the biggest part of the production here, and yeah. so um, that's why we try to have that goal every day of getting sixty phone calls because you really get a sense of what America is thinking. This is kind of a slice of this broader discussion that's happening at water coolers and, you know, in people's kitchens. We just try to have it here in this that's right. studio and, and let you hear it every day. Yeah. And it's, and it's terrific that that's happening. Cause I think, like you said earlier, a lot of times the conversation is directed at people that are outside of the beltway. And the one place we know we can go and listen to the voices, the real sort of organic voices of people that, that are caring about that issue is, is at Washington journal every day. Tell me though, um, I got to ask because, I mean, there must be times when questions come in that are really hard to answer and, and you guys really have to be on your toes because you take, you t- I mean, I can't imagine that there's a, a heavy screening process because so much of it is about the conversation. Help me understand how it is that you and your and your colleagues um, work to stay on your toes and, and make sure that conversation goes in a way that's that's good for broadcast too, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of like, uh, how does my boss describe it? Kind of like hosting a dinner party, right? You're, mm. you're keeping the conversation flowing. Um, in, in terms of the calls, I kind of know what you're getting to, you know, the, the, the couple calls that uh, make uh, a YouTube moment, right, that are, that are kind of so far Well, it's there. just we live um, in a viral world. So, I, you know, just like anything right. else, I mean, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, there was always somebody who called and sort of shouted, not at your show, but certainly I grew up in the Northeast. There were plenty of people that thought it was hilarious to to uh, call out the name of, of one of the members of Howard Stern's broadcast team, and that right. would sort of be the gotcha moment, right? So I wonder about that because we live in such a viral time, how it is, because it's not you don't see that. I mean, you guys really have a nice, natural conversation that's going. So, you know, to your colleague that's, it, it that said it that way, occasionally. does it? it? It does happen occasionally. And uh, the the whole idea is to to move on from it. If, if somebody uh, says something over the line, you know, it's mm-hmm. okay to apologize for that because you're hosting this party, right? You're, sure. you're 
uh, and especially if I have a guest, they used to be sitting next to me in studio, but now they're mostly via Zoom or in remote studio. I was going to ask about um, that. Yeah. But that, that person is my guest at this dinner party that I'm hosting, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, they're not, they're not coming on to be insulted. It's also not my job to sit there and defend them. You know, they can defend themselves. Of course. Especially if it's a member of Congress and uh, somebody's asking a tough question, I'm not going to step in and, and defend them. But if somebody's mm-hmm. insulting or says something vile, you know, it's okay to apologize and, and move on. But that is the rare thing that happens. The vast sure. majority of callers are appreciative of having a chance to, to ask a question and, and to to have their opinion known and to uh, to join this this dinner party that we're having. I guess I should call it a breakfast party. Right? <laughs> brunch. You're hosting brunch. Every day. <laughs> right. Um, but that's what you're doing. You're just trying to keep the conversation going. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I do have a dump button that, um, you know, uh, down to my right uh, that I will occasionally keep my finger on if there's something that feels right. a little off or uh-huh. weird. Is this person going to go someplace? Um, or if... if uh, a caller is just kind of going on and on and making the same point over and over again. It's okay to sort of move them along, right? Because well, because you have to keep the flow moving. Who want to join. Right on, yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's <clears throat> it's it's a um, how would I describe it? An imperfect process, right? But it is uh, something that is more of an art than a science. But to just keep the conversation flowing is kind of my job. It's not my job to answer every single question that comes in. I don't know the answer to every question that comes in, right? Uh, and then, the vast majority of people aren't asking my opinion or for me to answer something specifically. If You're I feel moderator. like I could add, yeah. If I feel, yeah. If I feel like I've, if I can add information to uh, to something the caller brings up, I can certainly jump in and do that. But again, the whole point is to keep the focus on the calls, not on me. Right on. Yeah. No. And that makes a ton of sense to me. Tell me. Uh, you mentioned it. How because you are in the broadcast space and because COVID has really changed the way of the world for everyone as we do this over the phone ourselves. Talk to me a little bit about what it's like uh, your guests, you say, are mostly virtual or uh, Zoom. How has, has the world changed for you all? Do you rotate throughout the, the week on the, you know, who's going to be where or what does it look like for you all in the still, uh, you know, quarantine world that we live, that we live in? Yeah, I, my wife and I uh, joke that um, she's a she's a nurse, and I'm doing this, and the, the two of us never we couldn't stop never going had a break to work. That's right, right. And so we had friends who you know are are just in the past couple months have started kind of going back to the office for the first time, and and that's odd to to the two of us who mm-hmm. have always had to go in during this whole thing. Um, I will say I, I really miss having guests in person uh, because you can you can signal to them you know, kind of, we'll get to that, or let me get to the other guests that I have here and let them jump in. Sure. It's just the, the nonverbal cues to keep the conversation going. You just kind of have more tools in your tool chest to do that. Whereas yeah. if somebody's on Zoom and they can't see you, right, because they're marrying up my camera feed in the studio to their Zoom feed, so they're mm-hmm. not seeing my face on their Zoom screen. That's right. Um, you know, sometimes you have to cough and kind of do a fake cough or, or uh, kind of fake jump in to let them know, okay, let's wrap up. Right. Uh, so it's much uh, in, since COVID began, I think I've had two or three guests in studio with me where there was kind of that, that lull there in the summertime uh, of last year where people were kind of feeling more comfortable. Your chairs and, were and further separated, back. but at least you were sort of in the same space yeah. kind of place. Yeah. So, 
I will look forward to when, when people can come back in. And it's just, you know, it's nice to have that couple minutes before in the break between the segments, just to kind of say hello and, and chat with the person as opposed to doing a, a sound check on Zoom yeah. and then, okay, I'll be back to you live in one minute. You know yeah, what I mean? I mean, the it's chemistry, just, the movement, the way people interact, it, that that actually, it makes the show better too, I, I, I'm sure, because you have a way of sort of, you know, connecting with your guests. You can talk about some things. You can get on a little bit of a, you know, a tangent even as you're taking calls. There's some cool things that can happen when you're in that space. I mean, I, I know it just from Zoom calls. I mean, you just don't have the same collaboration with your teams, with, you know, with your friends because you're not in the same space as them. So that's, um, yeah, I, 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 I think I used to say the words, we were talking about X during the break. And I want to come back to that because sometimes you bring up something interesting that, Oh, the, the viewers would be interested in this, in that mm-hmm. couple minutes during the break. Uh, and you don't really hear that as much on television. I feel like anymore, because there's not those interactions that happen as often of, Oh, we were talking about that. Let's go back to that conversation. Cause that is something I wanted the viewers to hear about. Um, what and, also, you know, I, I, what also is cool about I was Washington just Journal? Say, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say it's, it's also a, a. You'd be shocked how small the studio is, and it's just kind of lonely in the studio for a three-hour show. With, I uh, can't <laughs> imagine. Yeah, you're feeling like you're point. sort of on an island. But the other thing too about your show, unlike lots of other shows, is that the segments can go longer. The guests do stay for a longer period of time, whereas a lot of these other shows, the segments are much shorter, and they're. Um, their, their format is just different than yours. So being able to have yeah. that conversation is really, really especially important for yours because you, you are having a, a more, you know, we're eavesdropping in on a conversation while all of your, you know, uh, invited guests are calling in and asking questions. So to be able to have that in that space is going to be, it's going to be dynamite when it happens. But, but for now, no, um, I, yeah. During COVID that, uh, that has been, I mean, that's always been our model. It's not, uh, we don't want your, two minute or 45 second blurb on your pitch. Right. Right. Um, We invite you on for a half hour, at least often for an hour or longer. So we can get beyond that Mm -hmm. and have a longer conversation. And so we can play you, if we're going to play you a clip, I'm not just playing you a 10 second clip that somebody could read out of context or listen to out of context. Right. right? Totally. Here's two minutes from this debate. Let's come back. Let's listen to that and come back and talk about it to give you kind of the full context of it. But in terms of of the importance of that time during COVID, we've had a lot of doctors come on uh, and, you know, infectious disease experts. And we find the best thing we can do is let those folks talk to the callers and and have. okay. so what is your concern about this aspect of it? And they can kind of have a back and forth. and, And for some of these these folks, it might be the, this might be the first medical professional that they've talked to yeah. about this. And it's and, not a, it's and, not a short and conversation. And that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Those are not right. simple. They're not simple answers. Sometimes you have to spend a little time um, taking those questions and answering them in a way. I mean, especially now, because there are so many things that are out there in the, in the universe that are not necessarily true. So I'm sure that when you have experts like that on the show, you want to make sure that they have the time that they need in order to address um, questions in a way that's meaningful so that not only the caller, but also the viewers are taking that in and, and hearing their questions. John? Yeah, and we've, we've gotten a lot of that. And, it, you know, we, we used to get it before too, but even more so of thanks for letting me get beyond 
the two minute thing. Absolutely. That, that other networks that I've talked to have only given me two minutes on this. Thanks for the time on that. Yeah. That's why it's a three hour show and, uh, and we don't have commercials. No, and, and it's, yeah, it's a value. It's a real value, but you guys are so, you get up and you do the show from seven to 10, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be really smart when you get up and be re- You have to be ready at seven, right? For those conversations to start. You have to be thinking about what the news of the day and what kinds of questions can be coming in and, I, I know you work with other producers and other folks that are on the show, but what is it that, um, like when you get up in the morning, like wh- where do you go for your information? Is there a particular product? Is there a particular writer? Is there something that, that gets you smart in the morning before you get on air or get the show going? No, that's a, that's a great question. So, um, so the show starts at 7 a.m. live. Uh, I'm usually, uh, my producer's usually in first, you know, around, 4 a.m. and I'm I'm probably in 4:15. Wow. Maybe 4:30 at the latest. Wow. And we just start going through newspapers and the the hill the hill papers, mm-hmm. uh, the all the morning letters that are available at that point. Sure. You know, and and some are trickling in as the show starts. Right. You'll mm-hmm. you'll get some that come out at 5:30 in the morning and six, and you can you can check those. Um, the 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 callers are always interested about the, what newspapers we have on the desk, right? So it's uh, oh. the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Washington Times, the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, um, Financial Times, um, and we always get asked, well, why do you have those newspapers? And one of the reasons is that we are trying to give you the information about what's happening up here in Washington, and these papers are, are a lot of the papers that members of Congress are getting in their offices every day that they're yep. going to, through. So if that's what they're going through, here's what we want to go through to, to show you. But in this age, you can't just do that, right? It, it was roll call the Hill and Politico for a while, right? When you and yeah. I were, were uh, back at being reporters and flax working that's with right. each other and, and you could not check that every day. Today, there's more things come online every day, right? Punchbowl News has been something that you have to check yeah, every morning to, to sure. see what the latest is. Yeah. Um, Axios is something that that we always check. So it's trying to go through as many of those things as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a limit in the morning. You know, 7 a.m. always comes, and yeah. you got to be ready to start the show at 7 a.m. So I may not get to everything every day. Um, but we try to tell you about the news that we think members of Congress are reading, right. just like we try to bring in the the um, the think tank folks that we think members of Congress are talking to, right? So you can get a chance to talk to them, and we try to bring in the reporters who are writing about these members of Congress, so you can talk to them too. Yeah. So it's just trying to It'd provide impos- that access. It would be impossible to read it all. It'd be impossible to get it all in. There used right. to be a game, and I know you remember this game too, because it was it's a little bit of a flack and, and reporter kind of game but it was like did you see that story about black or you know this black and white story and it was like uh you know if you said no you were like falling down on the job right <laughs> and right. now i don't apologize anymore i did not see it would you share it with me i'd love to read it because the truth is is as much as the the pool of journalists um continues to be more competitive and spaces continue to change um there's there's actually a vast amount of publications like you said that are popping up like our friend Josh Kurtz that you worked with at E&E Josh is doing right. Maryland Matters now he was a mem- he was a, a guest an earlier guest on the show and we talked about how 
he sort of grew this organic product covering Maryland. And there are all these other things. So it's impossible to get it all in. So I'm done apologizing for having missed whatever it was that was in black and white that I should have read uh, that morning. The truth is, is I nope, I didn't get to that one. Show me where no, it is because I'm question, getting to it. A question you'll hear asked from the hosts a lot is, where did you get that information from? You know, mm-hmm. the caller is bringing up, I heard this or I saw this. Where'd you get that information from? Uh, and it can lead to an interesting story in like a local paper. Or sometimes the, the caller will say, well, I heard about it on the internet. And there, then you're getting that context as well. Also from, good to consider the, the source. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's a question you'll, you'll often hear hosts ask. Just where'd you get the information from? We, yeah. we just want to know. We're sharing with you a whole bunch of information. Share with us where you got your information from. Because maybe so you need to be, follow up on it too. Maybe it's a good resource that you should be checking in on. You just don't, don't ever know. No, and we get great suggestions from, from callers who will say, you should do a segment on this or you should bring this person on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just booked somebody today, um, the, this doctor, this expert on COVID testing that I first heard about from a caller who ha- has now twice called and said, why don't you have this guy on? Awesome. Um, and he's, I think he's going to be a great guest. So That's he's coming great. on next week. Oh, cool. Well, I, uh, I I love that you're doing what you're doing, and I know you're working really hard, and it is so noticed and so, so appreciated, the work that you do there at C-SPAN. Uh, as we get to the end of our 30 minutes, I was curious if you might share with me uh, a recommendation for a future episode, someone that you think might be a good guest for uh, a conversation. Sure. Um, I feel like you've talked to a whole bunch of people so mm-hmm. far, a lot of my mentors, Um you know, whether it was Paul Kane or, or John Bresnahan, mm-hmm. uh, Anna Palmer. Um, I feel like uh, you uh, you talked to Amy Walter uh, from the Cook Political Report. Have you done Dave Wasserman? I have not. Um, he is a, especially in this time of redistricting, um, redistricting, the expert on redistricting. His Twitter handle is literally redistrict. Um, really? And he's their house editor. Uh, fascinating guy. Plays... Um, the fiddle very well as well. He's uh, just a, a man of many talents. Uh, he's come on the Washington Journal a lot, and he's, it's always fascinating to hear the fact that he can has such deep knowledge about uh, all the every single house district in the country. He can tell you the background and what's happening in the race, and whether it's a safe race or whether it's a competitive race. Um, so he's at at Cook Political. Uh, and then at Inside Elections, uh, which is the other kind of elections analysis um, uh, group, uh, Nathan Gonzalez, uh, and he used to be with Stu Rothenberg uh, at uh, at Roll Call writing, and now his group, he still writes for Roll Call, but Inside Elections is the name of his group, and he does the same sort of thing. Awesome. Analysis, uh, oh, two awesome, awesome there. recommendations. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, when you're not doing the Washington Journal, and your wife is not uh, helping us in uh, a healthcare crisis, uh, you have any, any favorite recommendations on things you're doing? Like, is there a favorite restaurant? Is there a favorite weekend thing? Uh, since it's the Friday Reporter, I always like to get tips and tricks, because we're all trying to just figure out what's What's keeping people, um, you know, having a good time out there too? <laughs> I tell you, it's uh, I, I I feel like I have the luckiest seat at C-SPAN because um, my desk is right across from the bookshelf uh, where Book TV, so C-SPAN two um, on the weekends, you know, Book TV where it's yep. forty eight hours of of nonfiction books and its coverage of various book events, book talks. 
but they have this shelf where if they're done with a book or all these authors send books to book TV to hopefully get them featured on book TV. If they're done with a the book, they put it on the bookshelf and, and it's for grabs, right? So I find some of the most interesting books on this bookshelf. Um, so especially during COVID when you have more time, I feel like I've been doing some, some more reading and perusing the book TV bookshelf. Awesome. Um, so, so my two favorite books Please. Uh, that I've, that I've pulled uh, is, is The Confidence Men by Margaret Fox. And I hope I'm saying her name right. I think it's Margaret. Um, has this fascinating story from of a prison escape in World War One. These two British officers, and they pull off this escape using a confidence game with a Ouija board, a ghost story, and a treasure hunt. And it's a true story uh, that uh, about these these two officers. And it's just a fascinating book. Um, so that came out. Uh, and the other book I'm reading, I didn't get from that shelf. A friend of mine gave me this other book. Um, it's called The Emerald Mile, and it's by Kevin Fedarko, I think is, is how you say his name. And uh, it is the, the story of the fastest uh, transit of the Colorado River, of the Grand Canyon on the Colorado River, these guys in a rowboat, essentially. Um, and it's their story of these three crazy guys who made this run down the Colorado River in the fastest time ever. But it's also a geological history of the Grand Canyon. It's an explanation of how dams are built. Uh, it is um, the original exploration of, of the Grand Canyon, how long it took. Oh, cool. uh, you know, it was after the Civil War when mm -hmm. it was finally uh, first explored by, uh, by U.S. government officials. Um, so anyway, it's, uh, it, that has been a great book as well. So I feel like I've done a decent amount of reading. And then the other thing, the other books that I'm reading, especially cause it's COVID and the best thing I can do with my daughter is, is just read. She's really gotten into the Percy Jackson books. Oh. So I've been, I've been reading those along with her, uh, cause she already, she already blew through all the Harry Potter books. And so now we're, we're onto the Percy Jackson books. That's as well. awesome. I heard that they're going to launch. <laughs> I just heard today they're going to launch another, um, another round of Percy Jackson. Disney just announced that. So stand by for oh, all that too. She'll be excited for that. Yeah, I, I mean, especially in that time of virtual school, you yeah. know, the best thing she could do is read. And if I'm reading it with her, then she's more excited about it because we can we can chat about it together. Absolutely. So, uh, so that's how I got into Percy Jackson. Awesome. Well, this is so good. I feel like I'm going to start a bookshelf of my own, like the, the Friday Reporter bookshelf, because now I've kind of gotten into a place where I'm like, I, I either want restaurant recommendations, book recommendations, or like other neat things we can do while we wait for this pandemic to pass, for sure, for good. Uh, oh John, gosh. I'm so, so glad you were here today. Thank you so much for your time. No, thanks so much for having me, and thanks for, for doing this. I think it's uh, I think it's a lot of fun and, and uh, a great thing that you're doing, so thanks so much. And thank you. And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. 
You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.